tasty treat will double your enjoyment of the show. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hello and welcome to another episode of Trick Talkers Tea Time, a series where we discuss topics related to trick takers, shedders, climbers, and other card games. I'm Ryan. I'm Patrick. And today we are joined by the one and only Candace Harris. Hello. Thanks for having me. Am I the one and only Candace Harris? <laughs> I, you, you are, at least in this regard, you are the <laughs> Candace Harris from BGG. You do the BGG podcast and a lot of writing for BGG related things. So I believe in the trick taking and board gaming world, you are the one and only Candace Harris. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> nice. Uh, so we're very excited to have you on today. I know you and I got to meet at PGC Con, so we're going to talk about that for a little bit. But we were also able to play some games online to get Patrick involved. So when we start talking about things, Patrick can no, I won't be there twiddling the my thumbs the whole time. I'll at least be able to contribute <laughs> something meaningful. meaningful. <laughs> Absolutely. But before we get into all of that, just in case our listeners haven't followed you on BGG or seen any of your writings or listened to your podcast, do you want to just give a little bit of introduction of who you are, what you do, and everything? Yeah, so I am a media creator for BGG um, for, I guess, since about 2020. I was like just writing, uh, contributing to BGG News part-time. And then last year, just before Gen Con 2022, I went full-time with BGG. So, um, you know, I started the BGG podcast. Before that, I was doing, I host a show called Cardboard Creations, where I interview game designers to kind of find out the backstory for how games are created, um, because I'm also a amateur game designer. Um, so I made my own board game too uh, over the past couple years. Um, and then, yeah, I just do a lot. I play a lot of games. I'm definitely more of an omni gamer, but I'm obsessed with trick taking games and especially lately. <laughs> I mean, I'm still like coming off PGC con. I'm still wanting to play trick takers every day. <laughs> Did you hear that, Ryan? She she explicitly said trick takers. I know we have a bias a little bit towards oh. trick takers. But but include climbers as well. But I I like the way you said it though. I like I like we're on the same vibe here. Yeah. The fact that you start with and call them trick Started takers it. versus calling them climber shedders is is good 100%. in our books is what Patrick's saying. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, and I, I think I, I I agree. Like I, I definitely enjoy trick takers more than climber shedders. Um, but I I love a lot of those games too. So Yeah, all the yeah. card games. There's all definitely the some games. good ones out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's another reason why we're excited to have you on since, you know, we said PGC Con is where we were able to play a lot of trick takers, card games in general together. But of course, your journey started even before then. I know you play a lot of games with the folks from the Game Brain podcast, which we yeah. had Matthew Robinson on as a guest before. So we're slowly just going to get everybody from the Game Brain podcast <laughs> on here. I love it. Talk about all the trick takers they've played. Uh, so I know you get to play in person with them from time to time, and you've been able to play some trick takers then, which is super cool as well. Some of them, I believe, you even started showing them trick takers, right? Yeah. So it's it's kind of wild. Um, I was actually recently like thinking back to like how I've gotten into trick takers, and 
uh, a sort of friend of a friend. Um, this guy, Jamie, I know through another friend from Pennsylvania, um, told me about Scout uh, back in 2021. And I ended up ordering a copy of Scout from Amazon.jp and the, the, like, the OG version of Scout. And I was like, oh, this game is really cool because like one of the games I loved before that, um, that kind of started what I'll call like my trick taking journey part one uh, was Crass Kari Art um, or the English version. It's called uh, Delt. Um, And I yeah, like that game was such a banger, like for years and years and years. So then when Scout came out, I was like. Ooh, like, and I know, Ryan, you don't agree with this, but I was like, this is cooler. Like, this is a better Crash Kari it art is cooler. It is cooler. Well, I'm disagreeing. <laughs> no, but, no, wrong. I haven't played Crash Kari. That's the only reason why I'm biased. Yeah, but like at the time, you know, I don't know if Scout was even out or may- maybe it was because I don't remember like when it came out, but that was... I started with Crash Carrier and then I got Scout and I was like, this is so cool. So I talked about it on Game Brain. And after that, Jonah from the PGC Discord reached out to me and was like, hey, like almost like a drug dealer, like, hey, you like that stuff? That's, that's how they get some, you, the, the drug dealer. I got the, re- yeah. Yeah. I got the real stuff for you. So so I ended up playing on a PCIO with Jonah and a couple people, and he introduced me to Voltreffer, Cat in the Box, and... Uh, I don't remember if it was trick taking in black and white at that time because I played with him twice on there before I had met him in person. And then I was like, oh, my goodness, like I need all of these games. And it went it went deeper and Straight deeper. Straight to the I, veins. Yeah, that's where it starts. Right? Straight yeah, yeah. to the veins. <laughs> Straight to the veins. I remember seeing a board game uh, geek post saying, oh, if you come if you come to our group, you'll end up down the rabbit hole that you can't escape from what you know your wallet's got to be careful you don't believe it at first do you and then yeah it's true it yeah it's it's really true but i was kind of determined to uh find a copy of cat in the box and this is of course before the new version uh was coming out and so i actually like hit up the bgg team i was like does anybody have this game just lying around that they don't want anymore i'm like (laughs) this game was so cool i need it and beth highly was like Actually, she's like, yeah, I do have it because we used to carry Cat in the Box in the BGG store because we'll import um, a lot of like Japanese card games and just, you know, something. Well, not a lot, but like some. And we used to carry it, you know, but it sold out. And she would always keep a copy on hand in case she needed to like look up something for somebody or, you know, check out components. So she just was super nice and sent me Cat in the Box. And I was like, oh this game i have this game and it was so exciting and that was like probably a good eight to 12 months before new cat in the box came out at gen con last year so that was really exciting uh but yeah i don't even remember where we were going down this this rabbit hole that i'm talking about right now i think it's the same rabbit hole you get down trick taking you you don't even realize where you are in it and all of a sudden you're so far in it you've gotten lost and you've got all these trick takers you're talking about it's very fitting yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. But Jonah was my introduction to PGC Discord. I guess that's where I was kind of going and how I then got like connected and I was like, oh, what is this new world? <laughs> yeah, this new scary world of trick taking. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of friendly people in the PGC Discord server. Jonah is amazing. I know I've met him last year at the PGC Con in 2022, able to play a lot of games, and he was there again this year. So it was, it was great to be able to see him in person again. Yeah. Yeah. And not forgetting, there's a lot of friendly people on the Trick Talkers Discord now, yourself included. So appreciate everyone. I'm on that there now. Joined. You are on there now. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're lucky to have you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, and then and then I met Jonah in person at BGG Con last year in 2022. And that is I think that was the first time I met Taylor Reiner also. And I kind of got like Jonah showed me trick takers there, blew my mind. Showed me roulette taking game, blew my mind. And then uh, also Nikos Dice. That was the other one. And I played that with uh, John Cox from John Gets Games. And yeah, so that was like another just. It's a list of bangers. More, a lot more, of good games, a lot of great people. More bangers, yeah. more bangers. So I was really excited to go to be able to go to PGC Con this year. Yeah, it was. We were excited to have you. It was great to see the size of PGC Con grew a little bit. To sort of go in a little bit now, detail it seems like we're we're ready to to head into the PGC Con conversation. This is the second year Portland Game Collective had their convention in Portland, Oregon, and it's almost about double in size this year. We had around seventy-ish people show up. And Candace was one of them that was there. And I was able to play a few games with you. I know you had a lot of games played throughout the weekend. Yeah. Um, so if you want to just, if you know your quick list of games that you did play, if you want to rattle those off. I'm going to one up you there because PGC Con 2023 was special for a lot of reasons. And one is because I started logging plays for the first Ooh. time on this Ooh, trip. She- She's done and that's that. yeah. BG Stats, right? Yeah, on showing BG a, Stats. your phone on the camera. The best app. <laughs> yeah, I, I had just like I'm like this is this year is me being in the board gaming hobby for five years, and I was like I'm gonna start at and I was actually gonna start at my local convention, which is coming up Labor Day weekend, uh, because that's where I met like a lot of my like board game friends that I still play with today, and just you know, just some close friends here in LA. But then I was like, no, maybe I should start at Gen Con. And then I was like, hey, PGC Con is really kicking off my con season. So why don't I start there? So yeah, so I logged and I'm a I'm already obsessed with logging plays. I'm one of those people now. <laughs> it has to be done. It has to be done. Ryan logs everything, don't you? Absolutely. Anything Absolutely. you can stat about the game, there's a good chance I put it in there. If there's a role you can pick, if there's some ability, if there's a variant, there's a expansion, whatever it is, it's getting added in there. It's not just names and scores. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I really I love the app and I love how you can also just share a file. So like when we're playing a game mm-hmm. and you log in, it's like, hey, just send me that, please, Ryan. <laughs> yep, that's true. You did. I think the first three games we played, we were like, just share it with me. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. I got it all set up. It's great. The one downside to when you share the files is it saves exactly in the format that the previous person did it. So if you have a different name for a person or a location, yeah. like you do have to go in and make those adjustments to make sure it matches up. But it's still nice. I mean, it's a great feature in general. And it's also, it's pretty smart because it'll, 
say like if you had Patrick as whatever Patrick's with his last name and maybe I just had Patrick PGC it'll say like do you do you want to match Patrick to that you know <laughs> that's that's how it is in my phone too <laughs> but yeah like so at I will say on the trip for PGC con not just at uh the actual convention part um one of the highlights was um barracks emperors um which we got to play together which was really fun because that was the 2v2 game that i played that's a new one from gmt from the two designers that made a game called time of crisis um uh, ray farrell and brad johnson yes and it's and it's not like a it's a hybrid game right it's it's kind yeah. of an area influence game where you're playing cards onto the table, um, onto different spots, and you're surrounding an emperor card that has a color of red, blue, or yellow. And when an emperor card is fully surrounded, it resolves like a trick. And with the color of the emperor being the trump suit. But all of the cards have all these special abilities, which is super cool. Um, it's a very very thinky game because when you're placing a card you have a specific place that you're allowed to legally place cards for your faction um but often when you place a card you're impacting another faction for a different emperor card that you're adjacent to so you have to like carefully think about where you place each card because I might be helping my opponent if I do, you know, if I put the card here or I could be hurting my teammate if I put the card here, this card here. So um, that one was like really good. I played it with four players and then I played it with uh, two players really good. And then we had our 2v2 game, which was super fun. Yeah, the team variant I thought was was really cool. Being able to know that you have another side of the card being your teammates. Because uh, like Candace said, there's every emperor has on the four uh, corners or the four sides of it shows one of your factions. And you and your partner are across from each other. So typically when you're playing a card in your faction, you're usually helping the opponent on the two other emperors and then occasionally helping your teammate on top. And there are certain parts of the board where you could play a color that might be Trump for your partner when it resolves Mm -hmm. another emperor. And then, of course, all of the cards have abilities on it as well. So you're trying to see what the abilities do. So, yeah, like you said, it's very thinky. It does take a lot of time. I know our four player game of it, you were the only one who had played it. The other three of Mm -hmm. us were new to it. So it took a lot longer, I think, than it would normally take. I think once everybody knows the game and is familiar with the abilities, you could probably get 90 minutes or maybe a little less. But the first playthrough definitely expected to take a while as everybody's sitting there reading their cards and going, okay, wait, what's this ability do? (laughs) Right. Oh, that's good. Oh, wait, no, no, I misread it. That's not how it works. And then reread it and share with the class and everything. Yeah, exactly. And uh, if anyone knows me or is familiar with things that I write about on BGG and just games I'm into, um, I do love a lot of historical strategy games. So for me, this is like kind of and I love abstract strategy games, too. And this to me, like kind of took a hybrid of the trick taking with like kind of an abstract strategy game with some history, too. So uh, I really dig that. And I was glad I was able to play that about yeah, three times. Exactly three times. And I know that because of my log plays. 
There you go. The beauty of logging plays. I was going to say with this game, to what extent does it feel thematic then? Because you've got the Roman element, and I quite like history as well. It seems quite appealing. So what, in terms of being completely abstract and, and the Roman vibe, what, what are you saying then with the game? It's, it's, it's definitely more on the abstract side, but like if you want to get into the history, like all of the emperors, I think, had like historical text and they like each have their oh, own cool. names. Right. So you can kind of look up and I'm pretty sure in this one, like a lot of GMT games in the playbook, they'll tell you like the historical t- context about every single card in the game. Um, then you're also one of the things we didn't mention is there are barbarians in the game and scary, you have scary these, barbarians. Yeah. That's normally Ryan, have, the, Ryan the Barbarian Empress Candice, right? Is that where we're going with this? <laughs> yes, exactly. It was, it was yeah. something like that in our game. Actually, were we on the were we on the same team? We were on the same team. Oh, oh that's right. So yeah. never mind. <laughs> I think uh, we, nice we tied and we also we tied against the other team, but they won the tiebreaker of having oh, that's right. I think it was more emperors more or something. Emperors. We had a lot of barbarians. Yeah, we scored barbarians, but they ended up having more emperors. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was and a one of the really players that it is, yeah, it's really good. Well, one of the players that we had, Trinavash, also really likes uh, Roman history. As we were playing, they were really excited as like all the things were coming out. There's one, I think, one of the pretenders that were like over there when it came out. Yeah. Trinavash got upset because it's like this wasn't a pretender. This doesn't fit. <laughs> it's like you, <laughs> the pretender deck, you're supposed to set aside random emperors in there, so it just happens to be that some aren't going to be pretenders. So it just it was funny that. Like Someone who's knew really that it was yeah that yeah. actually knew the history of it and I was just like, <laughs> like sure it. yeah I, I don't know who that is at all I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also played some uh, a couple games of trick taking in black and white, which is uh, one of the games again Jonah showed me online at some point, and I remember thinking it was it was cool when I played it, but I didn't walk away from that game where we played online being like oh I need to have this in my life. And but now the more I play that one, the more I kind of like really appreciate it. And it's it's one that I've been bringing out uh, when I have three players, because I think I heard that that's the best player count for it. Yeah. Three players is good for that one. Yeah. You put yeah. it in your pocket. You don't know it's there. That's the best yeah, thing about so the small. game is portability wise. Right. That's great. It's so small. And then also we played touchdown heroes i think that was our yeah. the first game we played together nice um yeah that was that's the that rugby was really... game isn't it yep the rugby <laughs> game <laughs> yeah, that's a I wild think, one i think we had didn't we have a situation where like nobody scored until the very last moment i'm trying to recall if that was the game No, our game was a blowout uh it was dj and i were partners with you and lee as partners. No, oh no, 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 Ryan. You're talking yeah. about our second game together. Cause the first game was with me and Nav. Oh, wait, this was not with you. That's why. <laughs> and your stats and are failing you, Candace. Your stats <laughs> should tell you. <laughs> okay, so yeah, the we only first played Touch I... on Heroes yes. one time together. That's when we right. And that's it, with Lee. You and Lee, yeah, we're on a team. And at that point, your your copy, the Eagles were still undefeated until Lee ruined that a game later. <laughs> But in our game, no, you two obliterated us. It was seven to zero. DJ and I yes. were trying all these weird, crazy things. We were doing our little <laughs> passing plays as we were like running motion and our runs were passing motion. We had Caitlin come in as our coach to try and call audibles. It was failing miserably. 
what you had a coach coming. Is that like a, is that the equivalent of a referee? Do they, oh, they call it. It a coach was just Caitlin was watching the game, and we were doing so bad. We were like, we need a coach. We need someone to like come in and tell us what to do. She didn't. She was just like, I don't know, pass. And we're like, okay, sure, we passed, and it didn't work. Interception. So we fired her on the spot. That's offside, yeah. right? That's, I don't know if you have offside, but in the other football. <laughs> Rugby, American football, never mind. I'm, lacrosse, I'll, I'll, I'll all the combination. Uh, <laughs> no. And then Ryan, you taught me Savage Savage Bowl, which uh, yep. I just gotten a copy. Nob sold me a copy, a spare copy he had, and I was like, yeah. And you absolutely annihilated me. <laughs> yeah. For the listeners, please, uh, would you like to share the stat for that game? <laughs> I will share the stat here. So Ryan ended up with 11 points and I ended up with zero and other people were somewhere in between. But oh my goodness, that game was brutal. Like you have to get exactly two tricks or you don't score any points. So guess why Candace had no points? Because they kept making me take extra tricks. Yeah, that's a spicy one. Yeah, it's it's a what I think is a better version of He Fu. So like Candace said, and we were playing five player games. So in five player specifically, yeah. you only ever want to take two tricks. If you take more, you bust and you're out for the round. If you take less, you keep playing, but you won't score at the end of the round. There's a few different suits. There's four regular suits and then one trump suit that's a little bit shorter in length. But the really cool thing is the first five tricks in Savage Bowl... Whoever plays the highest card gets a yellow card, which is basically a timeout card. The referee says you hit too hard, you're being rough, and you sit out the next <laughs> trick. But the nice thing is you actually get to take one of the cards from your hand and put it face down in the middle of the table. So since you're not actually playing in the trick, you still get rid of a card. So you're at the same pace of everybody else, but it allows you to sculpt your hand if you think you're going to actually start winning too many tricks later. And then the second highest person actually wins the trick. So what was happening a lot with Candace is she was winning <laughs> a lot of the second highest card early on. And then yeah, you were getting left early. with higher cards later and getting that third trick pretty easily. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a really good game. It's And it's not going to happen again. Like, I've actually been really excited to play this one again. But um, because I love that, like that kind of schadenfreude uh, s scoring with where Skate the second high, and and the fact that it only happens yeah. for the first five tricks too, and then it kind of changes. So I'm very excited to like revisit this one and beat my current personal best score of zero. And uh, I want to go up. <laughs> but lately, yeah. when I have five players, I've been just obsessed with Le Plateau. So that's part of the reason I haven't gotten back to Savage Bowl yet. Yeah, Lay Plateau, I think, was a really big hit at PGCCon. I know the Game Brain podcast had their most recent episode where Jordan was talking about his yeah. visit to PGCCon, which, by the way, a little side tangent here. I love how many other places and podcasts and reviews are now talking about PGCCon. It's super cool. I think yeah. last year I was the only one in our episode when it happened to review it, but now, like with you coming and couple of people from the game ring podcast and john from john gets games coming like there's just more people talking about it which is great which is getting more trick taking talked about and i know lay plateau was a big hit for them as well so i know a lot yeah. of boards from brown castle games were there so raymond definitely made a really good game oh yeah oh yeah yeah it's it's one that um a couple people showed me a couple people from pgc showed me back at bgg spring 
and I immediately bought it. But and I bought the travel size one because that was the one that I originally played. And I was like, oh, this is handy to have this little small board. But then Jordan got the big one and we were playing on the big one at PGC Con all the time. And I'm like, oh, I need to have this. I love this game. So then I ended up buying the big one, too. So now I have <laughs> both sizes for any occasion, Lay Plateau for any occasion. But yeah, that's that's definitely like one of my favorites right now. Um, I just I love the like shifting partnerships, the bidding and again, like the the board, like the kind of abstract strategy game going on. Ugh, just I just love that one. You know, I haven't even played Lay Plateau. I keep hearing people talk about it. I've got a French tarot deck I've had sitting on the shelf for about God knows how many months now. And I just keep looking at it and I keep thinking, how am I going to explain the fork and the bridge pattern to people when I teach the game? It's probably really easy, and I don't know why I'm letting geom- geometry get the better of me. What, what am I doing with my life, Ryan and uh, Candice? I really should play it. You've got glowing you reviews play here. It. Yeah, the the orientation can at first be a little daunting, but the nice thing is if you're playing five players, there are four other people at the table that can help solidify and double-check your <laughs> yes. you know, geometry. Skills. So like, yeah, after right. every trick, everybody's always re-looking at the board and talking out loud about, okay, what's left? What do you need? Like, it's a very open game in that regard. At least every game I've played of it, we've all been very open of like, okay, you need a fork, you need the jack of hearts, the, you know, 21 and the seventh yeah. trick, and you'll get it. And it's like, okay, now we know where we're at. Both the attacking and defending team or the declaring and defending team know that. So it's usually a little bit easier to get your mind wrapped around it once everybody's joining in and helping together. And I need to play it before I fork out for a brown castle board. So. <laughs> Especially for you, because <laughs> yeah. that's probably nice. a little bit more expensive to get it shipped to you coming from them. <laughs> Just a little bit. It's Christmas at some point. Yeah. I now I do want to give a hot take here and actually say that I'm a little more lukewarm than hot on Le Plateau. Mm. I've played it a handful of times now, pretty much exclusively at five, at four and six a couple times. But I just think it's it's okay. I when I first played it, I you know was into it a little bit more. Obviously, the group always helps elevate a game more. Once the whole group was into it, it was more enjoyable. But I don't really like the game that much because the game is about the bidding, and the trick play is pretty standard. Once you have your team set. You know, because of the must trump and what you play, you have some decisions once you get short suited and you can have some pivotal moments. But for the most part, the trick play is pretty standard. It's the bidding and and deciding which thing you're going to go for that's the spicy part of the game. And I personally think there are a lot of other bidding and contract games that have very simplistic trick play that are more enjoyable to me. So there's a lot of others that I would gravitate more towards than Le Plateau. Yeah, that I mean, that's... The interest <laughs> is plateaued. Were you going to do that, Candice? No, I was just going to do like, a pun. I wanted to hear what so you were going to say. <laughs> you knew it was coming. Um, I, I, I hear you. I hear you, Ryan. I don't know what it is that um, I find it so super interesting. Just again, for some of the reasons I just said, like, I love that the the shifting partnerships. I love that, like, when you want to kind of you come from behind and you're thinking about, can I go solo on this? And just the pressure as you place each piece and the way all the tricks play out, it's just, 
It's been such a banger. And I will tell you, every person that I've introduced this game to has now gone and said, oh, can I borrow that this weekend? Oh, I want to buy one. Where can I get the French Tower deck? Every wow. single person, I've gotten so many people hooked on this game. Also, um, I agree that so far, I have the only player count I haven't not tried is six yet. But five is my favorite because of the way the bidding of the points works. But two was surprisingly interesting. Um, so don't ignore the two-player variant for this game because it is, it'll remind you of like Nikos Dice because each player will have five piles of two cards each in front of them with the top card flipped. So there are 10 cards on the table that are public to both players. Then you have a hand of six cards and you have this decision of do I play a card from my hand or one of the ones on the table in front of me, because once I play one on the table in front of me, it's going to reveal the card that's underneath it, which neither of us know about. And it's really, really spicy. And I'm like, I, I kind of want to play this again with two players because of like, I thought that was interesting. So, Ryan, you will be playing two players with Candice. There you go. You've been roped in now, so you're going to have to do it. I do like games that have straw men variants or the straw man style play, which is what you were describing, it sounds like, from just that quick description. A strawman deck is where you have face-up cards on the table with cards underneath. It adds to your hand so your opponent knows something about a little bit about your hand and then the hidden hand that you're actually holding. So there are a few other games uh, that do that. I know Sean Ross, when he made the Yokai Septet two-player variant, it added the straw man pile. There's a Weemba Way that is a two-player only trick taker that has the straw man pile. There's uh, Vedrasso, which is also Sean Ross. That yeah, is a straw man pile. Sean also likes a straw man variant. He he is a big fan. Yeah, he likes to put that in a lot of his games. So if you are a fan of... Two-player lay plateau at that. I definitely recommend checking out some of those as well. Cool, cool. I will, and I've never heard that term for like describing that part that's, of a card game. That's how you get deep, deep down the rabbit hole is when you start learning all the ridiculous terms. <laughs> so don't worry, you'll get there soon enough. Just give it like three, four months. I'm sure you'll be spouting out straw men to other people and other terms. <laughs> how's your day? And then you were also very cruel besides crushing me in Savage Bowl. <laughs> You also showed me this game called Pups. And we're like, hey, let let me show you this awesome game that you'll never, ever own, Candace. (laughs) One of the best games that you'll never, ever own. (laughs) (laughs) But I really, I really enjoyed Pups too. I hope that gets reprinted or I might try to like proxy it or something. But that was, I keep saying, if, if you have Shinigami Preschool and a copy of Bridge City Poker, you've got a copy of Pups because you can use the one, two, and three power cards from Bridge City Poker. There's enough to do three of each, and it even has a little plus on the little power cards to be exactly like the Mutt Suit, and Shinigami Preschool is one through nine in four suits. Of course, you can use any one through nine deck, but usually you're not playing Shinigami Preschool for the game itself. No, it's about time Shinigami Preschool probably had some kind of purpose because the... (laughs) Yeah, the actual game itself. 
That I game is getting a new reprint. It's going to be on Kickstarter pretty soon, actually. So it's clearly got enough demand and people want to play it. I don't know who those people are. Again, I keep saying every time I bring this game up, please, if you're listening and you enjoy this game, let me know. I would love to hear from someone who enjoys <laughs> that game and, and why you enjoy it. And let's like a legitimate, like I'm, I'm actually curious as to what about the game? Because the few times I played it, it fell flat with everybody. So I'd love mm. to see from somebody who is enjoying it what decisions or what the table is doing that that finds it uh, enjoyable for you know maybe it's possible yeah it's quite possible so yeah so pups anyways (laughs) pups is a game that definitely needs to get reprinted and needs to be in every household and it's going to happen like that is my prediction it will happen it's just a matter of when at this point it gets so much traction every time i show it to people anytime someone else shows it to somebody who's got a copy like they love it they want to find a copy it's it's going to happen. Someone's going to pick it up or even Bink Inc. They might be able to reprint it eventually. But Charlie Bink, if you're listening, we I mean, and you are because I know Charlie is also in the Charlie. PGC Discord. He, he's heard from us. Like So again, it's coming. <laughs> Everyone just wait a few minutes. It'll be here. I feel like minutes. sacrilege because I've had a copy of Pups for absolutely ages. And the only time I played it is online. So it's kind of what am I doing with my copy of Pups? It really like I've sleeved it all. Just you better haven't. be careful. Canis is already about to I, ask if she can get it from you. I, well, <laughs> I, I have it. a plan, Patrick. You need to meet me at Essen. I'll bring you the Brown Castle uh, Le Plateau oh, board. I see what's happening here, and I'll we'll do a little swap. We'll do a little swap. It's gonna wait till I've had a couple of drums of whiskey, and then that Pups copy will soon just disappear. <laughs> So How did this plan. end up in my suitcase back in the US? Yeah. Ooh, a lovely lead plateau board, but where's that game <laughs> I haven't pulled off my shelf yet? <laughs> but yeah, it, there there are tons of other games. Um, I don't want to make your podcast episode five hours here, uh, <laughs> but I'll just quickly breeze through a couple others that were uh, memorable. The Zimbabwe trick was kind mm-hmm. of. I thought that was really interesting. Um, there's a reprint coming of that, right? In Inflation, which is coming from New Mill. Yes. Daniel Newman is doing the reprint. And actually, he just posted on Twitter a couple days ago that he got some of like the review copies in. So you can see the boxes. They look very similar to the same size and art style as Tall Tales, which is now delivering from Kickstarter. So should be going into Kickstarter a little bit later this year, cool. I believe. Cool. Yeah. And then I... I also played Diamonds, which is like a classic kind of... I played that for the first time. I thought that was fun. Yeah, like, that's a good classic one for sure. Yeah, and I'm like, I, I guess... It's very, I, very clear cut who the winner's going to be when they <laughs> play Diamonds. Ooh, that's, that's a good spicy Diamonds <gasps> pun right there. That was there that go. was a sneaky one. You didn't even use the word Diamond or anything in there. Sparkling pun, that, that was. That was say. great, but not true because... I thought it was clear cut who the winner was and I thought it was going to be me. And then one of my opponents lifted her screen and she had all these red jewels and I'm like, they're five points each. And she just like crushed us all and nobody saw it coming. So not as clear cut as you would think. I like it. Sneaking (laughs) them into the vault. 100%. Yeah. And then of course, how could I come to Portland and not pick up Bridge City Poker and five, three, five. And of course also play them while i was in portland um so i really enjoyed both of those uh again like climbers and cheddars aren't as much my jam as trick-taking game but i really loved uh some of the choices in that game where you could like just add one card 
to the the current state like there were just yeah that that's one that i'm like i'm very excited to revisit and then also with bridge city poker this was like our last night in town where uh jordan aj and i were like let's we have to keep playing games while we're here let's stay up aj had like to leave for the airport at 5 a.m i know we were just we were just like dragging it on we're like no we got more games to play let's keep playing so um i got i think what it is with the climbers and shedders i feel like i always get crushed my first time playing them like maybe they're just a little harder for my brain or something Although I do okay in Planet Etc. This is where you're going to say, Ryan, that if you want an accessible shedding game, tr- check out the dog and cat team. That's just, you can kind of let yourself go and relax about all the stress and just say bow, wow, and meow. Yeah, meow, meow. Yeah, dog, <laughs> meow, meow. dog and cat, the team. We're just going to, again, every episode when we bring someone on, we just recommend 20 more games to you. So here's another one, which is dog and cat the team is a really fun silly simple climbing shedding game because you can only play one card potentially two if you have the milk card to go along with your cat or dog suit but you're just trying to shed out all of your cards and it's a little similar to uno in the sense of every card uh you can you only play the one card there are abilities on cards and then when you have a single card left in hand if you're on the dog team you have to say bow wow and if you're on the cat team, you say meow, meow. And if you don't say it, then you have to draw a card <laughs> if one of your friends catch you. That sounds silly. Yeah. That sounds fun, though. Um, and then Robotrick. Played a lot of Robotrick, but we played that together, so we can talk about it. Absolutely, Patrick. yeah. So that's a good time wrapping up PGC Con. Great, long, exciting weekend. Very looking forward to next year, 2024 PGC Con. I'm sure the planning for that will be underway very soon once we get the Trick Takers and Haggis Kickstarter up and launched. We'll, we'll be focusing on that and have plenty more details to come. Cool. I'm excited already. Oh, yes. Uh, so, yeah. So, like I said, we actually were able to play some games with each other last week. So, you could officially meet Patrick and try and play some games with him. And one of them we played was Robotrick. And, Patrick, I believe that was the first time you'd played Robotrick, right? Yeah, that was the first time I played Rogo rogo trick i'm getting the name of the robot mixed up with the name of the game the, the robot's called drogo droco 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 the game is called robo trick i really enjoyed this one actually it's one of those games that was out of print for the longest time and i'd had my eye on it i created the bgg page for it in the hopes that somebody would put it up for trade never happened so, of course, it's then got reprinted by popular demand. And it was the first time, yeah, I got to play it. Free player game with the a robot player, which is really weird. It's sort of a really smooth AI system, though, isn't it, that's in the game? Yeah. Yeah. It's quite yeah. clever for being such a simplistic follow the primary, then the secondary, and it, it looks really well. So for our listeners who haven't played Robotrick, for getting familiar with it as we discuss it a little more... This is, of course, a trick-taking game where Patrick said it's a three-player only, but there is a fourth player that joins you. It is this robot known as Droko. And at the beginning of the round, you deal 12 cards to each player. One card is flipped face up to be Trump, and then there are three other cards dealt face down away. Then the 12 cards that are dealt to the robot all get flipped face up, and then you put them from order A, B, C, D, which are just the four suits in the game, and then you put them in numerical order. 
Then the other three players are passing two cards to their left, and then trick play starts from there with the robot always leading the first trick. There are primary and secondary functions the robot will do depending on if it's leading the trick, if it's following suit in the trick, or if it can't follow suit, or as the game calls it, unfollow. So you follow this program based on what it wants to do, which is usually playing its highest or lowest card, or it's playing whatever it's shortest or longest in. And you look at this card, this little AI card, and it'll tell you exactly what to do. So it's a really smooth process on figuring out what the robot's going to play. And you know ahead of time what it will play. So you can predict and go around that. Of course, if somebody else leads, then you have to be reactive on it. But before you play a card, you will always know what the robot plays. And the robot will change every round because the game is three rounds. Most points at the end of the three rounds wins. And where it sits in between the players changes every round. Now, the really cool part is how you score those points. So if the robot wins a trick, the card you played is negative points. And most of the cards are worth their face value. So a two is two points, a nine is nine points. The only difference are the higher 11, 12, 13s. So if the robot plays a 13 in a suit, which is the highest in a suit, and we all play under it, whatever card we're playing, we're scoring negative points for. Now, if a player wins the trick, they're going to score positive points, but they score the card the robot plays. And you can only win three tricks. So the first three cards you win from the robot are face up as positive. If you win another trick, those become negative again. So you then add up your positive, subtract your negative. That's your score for the round. Play three rounds. That's a pretty good summary, right? I, I like it. And also the uh, one thing you were saying, the, the robot rotates between players, but the AI card, like the rules that the robot follows also changes each round. Because I think there's like 12 or 13. There's 10, 12, in, 10, cards? 10 in total. Okay, yeah, yeah. You pick three for the game and you said they change every round. So what the robot does is a little unpredictable from round to round. Now, there is a variant in the back of the rule book. You can use the same one if you want. And you can also have four tricks instead of three to be a little nicer. Yeah, and of course, you're passing cards as well. So there's an interesting passing convention that happens at the start of every round. The stress of it, what cards do you pass? Now, Ryan walks said that was a lovely rules explanation. I knew that was going to go in your go your way immediately when I butchered the name of the robot. And the, I think the problem with games with robots, they can end up feeling quite mechanical. Just, there was a drum roll and a bit of tumbleweed that's just gone past can't. my window. The thing is, though, Droko does feel pretty smooth. It doesn't feel so mechanical, even though it, it is right. there. It's It's got, it's got for- some yeah good thoughts to it. And it can be pretty mean. That robot can annihilate you some rounds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that, uh, you know, how different it feels when Droko is following with the lowest card versus the highest card. Because nobody wants, I mean, you're only trying to win the three best tricks you can. And so you don't want Droko's ones and twos. No, you want Droko's. 10s, 11s, and 12s, but it's <laughs> it's hard to try to sometimes avoid, you know, taking those because it just depends. But like, I, it's such a clever game. This is definitely one of my absolute favorites right now, especially with three players. I think it's, um, <laughs> I showed it to some friends who are s- slightly more casual gamers and they were like, 
this is too much. <laughs> like they, really? they, yeah, yeah. They, I'm like, this game is awesome. So I think it's mm -hmm. like, there are certain people who kind of like that thinkiness to it. But, um, these people, like they probably, I should have just played like trick taking in black and white with them. <laughs> um, More black and white then, right? Yeah. <laughs> the explanation. Love that. Love that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think it's amazing. Like I really, really enjoy this game. And you know, Droko's hand is going to be different in combination with the rules, in combination with what you're, you have to deal with. There's just like so many really cool decisions, and you also have to worry about players burning you. You know, because if somebody's playing last and they play something to make Droko win, and then you're like crap i played a 10 and now i'm losing 10 points <laughs> if you're playing with ryan that you've got to worry about being burnt now i had a slightly different experience so i actually played this last night with a group of friends as well since we played and we'd had a few beers at this point but found <laughs> nice. it quite smooth they played a few trick takers before obviously they know me so of course they're going to end up down that rabbit hole ultimately but we played it, running the AI I thought was super breezy because I just said, oh, we just look at the card and, you know, if it's leading, it's following, this is what it's going to play so they could work it out. Compared to, and I know you like uh, Pax Mira a lot, Candice, and I play that solo and running the AI system is quite complex. I'm in the rule book a lot trying to work it out. And I think with this one, it's just, you know, you've got the card. And maybe you bought yourself a, a robot on Etsy, which I definitely have done since we've played it just to, so people know that. where the little robot... It's got to be done. You know where the robot's sitting then. <laughs> yes, you've got the AI deck, but it's going to be a bit more thematic. But I found nice. it really easy to play and they, they really liked it. They really dug it. So this for me is now rising to one of my favourites. It didn't feel too robotic, you know, in terms of the, the card flow. I'll stop now, but no, you won't. Don't lie. <laughs> oh, no, I won't stop now. I'm uh, I need to get a little robot now. <laughs> I've sold you the idea. Yeah. That's why, like I said, I'm I'm using the uh, Quirky Circuits robots, which you both are getting a copy of now. So, okay, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about us? Quirky Circuits for just a second. It's got cards in it. We can say it's one of the other card it's a, games. It's another card game. Could, yeah. Uh, so I had mentioned to both Candace and Patrick that I'd played Quirky Circuits before. I can't remember. I think it was just playing Robotrick and the robots and everything brought it up. And I was explaining how Quirky Circuits works, which is a cooperative game that has, um, why am I blanking on the mechanic? Programming. Uh, action programming. Yeah. When you are trying to place these cards and then flip them all at the end of the hand and then reveal and the robot's going to do what you played. And as I was explaining all this, they were getting really interested into it. And then after we hung up, after playing games, they were messaging me more about how it played. And, oh, does it sound like Magic Maze? And what does it do? And I just said, oh, well, there's an expansion, <laughs> the standalone expansion. You can get to just, like, try it out. And then, like, 10 minutes later, you're both like, I bought a copy. We're I'm both like, sold. <laughs> we're sold. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really excited to hear from you guys after you get it played, what your thoughts are about it, because I adore this game. My wife and I like to play it a lot. It works really well at two players, but I think it works really well at four. And just because the more people, the more chaotic it gets, the more minds yeah. that are combining together and messing up the cards. And it's so funny watching your robot just go in circles because you think it's doing <laughs> one thing and you're just horribly <laughs> wrong. It's so good. Yeah, I love it. it. It looks cute. It looks silly and fun. I love limited communication games. And I play with like lots of different uh, 
people and some of them are like more into light stuff and more cooperative stuff. So I think I think it's going to be fun, but I'll also play it with my partner, Matt, um, who likes light games. And uh, I like programming, too, I think. And the fact that you're programming these like vacuum cleaners and robots and stuff is hilarious. That's super cute. And I think one thing that's really nice with this game is it can limit the alpha gamer problem that a lot of cooperative games have. You can see a general direction that the robot's going to go, but you don't know exactly. So again, it's a cooperative game. You're always going to have some potential alpha game. You could have someone like block and put a card down before somebody else does and like, no, I'm doing first. But it's really hard to do that in this game versus being like, you need to do this move and do that action because we're going to take this over. And like, you can't really quarterback. It's really hard to do because you're just playing the card face down and then trying to figure out, okay, that person made a move forward twice and they turned left. That means we're here. Okay, another person just played that card. We're probably turning around. And the, so like you're all sort of puzzling it in your own head and you're not really like telling other people what to do. Yeah, my friend was giving me a little bit of grief. He said, Patrick, you're buying all these games. I said, look, yeah, but I said, cat on a Roomba eating <laughs> dust bunnies. What better combination could you possibly go for? And he's like, yeah, you're, your honor, as if I was trying to justify myself in a courtroom as to why I bought more games. One thing I will say, just to, to be careful of, there are two versions of this. So there's a quirky circuits with a robot dog in the background that comes with four different robots. So I think there's a robot B and a few other wild little robots. Sushi and, and a rover. Yeah. And a oh. standalone expansion, which unfortunately is also on the box called quirky circuits. So the way you tell the difference is a standalone expansion has a penguin in the window in the background. Penny. Penny the Penguin, because that's obviously, if you're going to have a penguin, it's going to be called Penny. And <laughs> then that's a lighter way to dip your toes in, right, Ryan, if you want to go down that route. It's also a bit cheaper. Yeah, a little bit cheaper. It has less overall stuff. It's got the Roomba, Roomba Gizmo from the original game, but it's new maps. And then Penny the Penguin, which has a really fun mechanic of momentum. So it's a good way to dip your toes before you get into the really big book that's a little more expensive. But I think you, you can't go wrong with either one, honestly. And I think uh, regular, the OG Quirky Circuits is out of print. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So then I guess standalone expansion is the way to go right yeah, now. Second-hand market, standalone expansion. Yeah. I think it's coming back. I think I saw some, some signs, at least in the UK, it's coming back, hopefully, at some point in August. But if you can't get it, then at least there's a, a form you can get it in and you still get the cat with the Roomba. So, I mean, worst case scenario. Yeah, I was honestly surprised to see the standalone expansion come out because this game really flew under the radar. It, I feel like, wasn't really talked about a lot and it just didn't get a lot of buzz. And I think it came out around the same time of like the Gen Con releases and there were a lot of other big games that were shadowing it. And it just was a quiet release. And like at my local game store, a lot of us were playing it. So like that's why I was familiar of it. We were playing it a bunch. They like demoed a copy at the store and I bought it on the spot because it's just, it's oh, so cool. good. Yeah. So I, I was happy to see this new expansion come out, but was very surprised. Did you, did more you... copies didn't get hoovered up. <laughs> have you, do you, have you played both Ryan? Yes, I have played all of the standalone expansion and I'm really trying to get through all of the the base game, the original version. But the problem is every time I'm playing it, I'm usually showing it to new people. So we're always starting ah. back at Gizmo. And like I've finally been able to play it with enough people that they can come over and we can start playing more through it. So I've been able to play the first three, which is Gizmo, the Roomba, 
Uh, I'm Twisty. I'm blanking on the bee's name right now. And then Rover, which is the dog. I still haven't done Lefty, which is the sushi one at the end. It looks really cool. But yeah, I'm excited to continue playing it. Eventually get through it all. The sushi one at the end. What, is it a sushi eating it's robot? It's a sushi, sushi, wow, the mouthful. Sushi chef that has its left arm out and it like spins in circles and it's feeding sushi to cats. There's a conveyor belt <laughs> you're trying to like drop it on. No, no I've heard cute. it all. I mean, I heard dust bunnies before, but now feeding sushi to cats. This is wild. And literally, I put this game into PGC Discord, put it in the search box, typed in quirky circuits, thinking, oh, maybe a few people have spoke about it. Literally, Ryan's name came up. Oh, quite a second. Like, oh, of course, it's Ryan. It's Ryan, right? Yeah. yeah I, massive more underrated. people need to play yeah. it, so I'm glad you guys have copies to to give it a try. Or copies yeah, coming. Yeah, copies coming, <laughs> yeah. copies coming. Yeah. Copies coming. Yeah. All right, well, that was a pretty long side tangent of Quirky Circuits, which I'm happy about. I'm okay we got there. But yeah, I enjoyed it. <laughs> coming back into some of the games we played, another one we played was Cauldron 15. Yep. And I know that was the first time you had played it, right, Candace? Yes, it was the first time. And I was um, I was kind of curious about it because I've heard people talking about it. And uh, I quite enjoyed it, even though similar to Savage Bowl, I feel like <laughs> I just got annihilated a bit. Um, but I instantly, it reminded me a little bit of American Bookshop, which I had played uh maybe actually just back in april i played american bookshop and i remember thinking oh this is cool i like the where you keep playing around until you hit a certain point where it kind of busts which also reminds me of too many cooks which i played uh recently you know in the past couple months for the first time and i enjoyed that so i kind of enjoy that playing around with hitting where the where the cards the some of the cards need to hit a certain level and you know something happens either way uh but this one was probably like my favorite of the bunch uh also because of the way the scoring yeah, she said works it. she said it ryan it's all we needed of the bunch so we needed yeah. to know and sorry just <laughs> want to cut you off real quick candace uh before if i let you keep going uh, yeah. if you want to listen to how the game plays in full and a little bit more on patrick and i's thoughts we did a full episode back on episode eight of a Cauldron 15. So I want to leave the floor oh, here cool. just for you, Candace, to get your thoughts on it, since we talked about it a lot a bunch. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I, I like it. I like the theme of it. And again, I like I like the way the scoring works. And to me, like I, I, wa- I walked away from American Bookshop, even though I had um, backed it on Kickstarter um, when it was reprinted. I think that was a reprint, right? Yeah, when the that, new okay. second yeah. or now third edition with okay. the metal yeah. class book thing. Still a book, but yeah. And, you know, I played that game and I thought it was cool, but I wasn't like, ooh, I can't wait to play this again, you know. But after I played Cauldron 15, I was like, ooh, I can't wait to play this again. So I, I really enjoyed it. I liked how the scoring worked where you're trying not to go over what in a three player game, it was different, right? It was 15. Tw- well, oh, so in the trick, it's 12. Right. But for the yes. scoring at the end, it's still 15. The, the scoring is 15. And of course, I went over <laughs> at some point. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just a buster, I guess, <laughs> especially when playing the first time. Yeah, I think you were 
over like halfway through the second round. Like it was, it was pretty early too. <laughs> it's pretty optimistic. Pa- partially yeah. because there was something that I didn't realize was going to resolve the way it did. Uh, because again, there, there are rules. If the, the trick pot is under 15, something happens. If it's over 15, something different happens, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the card you went. So I thought I was kind of like sticking somebody with a seven and I ended up sticking myself. <laughs> and that that seven was the one that, you know, the next thing you know, I had a second seven. And the next thing you know, I was, even though I had all the colors to get rid of one, I was still like two or three or something over. But yeah, I thought it was really cool. I like it. I can't wait to play it more. So, And, I, and, and I'm going to say here that had we not played with the variant where, not variant, the official free player rule now where your trick play is up to 12, I don't think we'd be having this conversation. Hypothetically, I think if we play with the old rules where you hit 15 with the trick play, I don't think you'd have dug it as much. And even more controversially, the best thing about American Bookshop is closing and opening the box. That might be a bit harsh. It is a good game. But next to Cauldron 15's new free player rules, I think that really makes it something special and having the ability to just not not exclusively a four-player game, which it was before. We've talked about it before, but... Yeah, yeah, when we talked about it in episode eight, the new rules of 12 being the threshold for a three-player didn't exist. So in that episode, we oh. actually talk about how we wish it was Cauldron X, so Cauldron you could have X. a specific number threshold that was different based on players like American Bookshop is. And this new edition did exactly that. And since playing it with the new 12-point threshold, it is so much better. So... Whatever we did say on episode eight is actually slightly wrong and it's even better now and it's so good. And just like you, Candace, I can't wait to play it again because we it predicted is the future. Really cool. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> very fun. And now continuing on our games that we had played together that were mean and busting and all that stuff was Schadenfreude or Scooty Fruity, as we like to say on this show. Scooty Fruity. <laughs> and easy, I, the song. I know all three of us had played that game before so we got right into it and we're just stabbing each other from the get-go yep, yep. and yeah it was pretty spicy finish in the second to last round we were really close i think i had 39 points and patrick was at like 36 or 35 or something and candace you were sitting a little bit lower around the 20s and so it's always great when you go into the last round where there's a couple people close and then right potentially that third person can go over and you all lose yep yep we we were about to be in a position where we were all gonna lose but i came in i was kind of confident i remember you guys thought when i took that six you were like oh this is the end of her and i was like i have so many six in my hands i'm gonna just like you know burn it but this is a game, uh, Schadenfreude, that I love. And this is one that uh, I remember somebody when I was looking for games was like, oh, and this was like shortly after I joined the PGC Discord. They were like, oh, talk to Ty if you're looking for stuff at Cloudcat Games. And I remember messaging Ty because I wanted to get Voltrifer. And uh he was like, hey, I just got these other like five games in FYI in case you want any of them. And one of them was Schadenfreude. And he was like, yeah, I've been hearing good stuff. I can't remember if he had played it at the time or not. And I picked it up and I remember the and at this point. So no. So no one taught me this game. Um, it was just kind of like going off Ty's recommendation 
And I remember playing it for the first time with five players. We all were brand new, you know, and I'm like, I know the rules. Oh, no. I don't know how this is going to like oh, feel dear. or or play out. And like the minute somebody did that, played that first card that erased somebody's points, we were like, oh, and we like we saw all the potential in the game. And then it just and then also the, the funny thing was the first time I played this, I'm like, wow, we're going to be playing this game forever to get somebody over 40 points. And it was like three rounds. <laughs> Things escalated so fast. Yeah, especially at five players. It gets really chaotic towards the end when you start offsuiting and sixes and sevens and eights are flying everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And this is this is another game uh, that I've introduced to a lot of people because I... I brought it to Gen Con with me last year and it would just be, you know, in between games, I'd be like, hey, let's let's play this game. And everybody I showed it to was like, oh, I got to buy it. I got to buy it, you know. Uh, but yeah, this is this is one that so far is still a favorite of mine because um, there's some games that I play and I like love and play a bunch and then I kind of get tired of. But this one, yeah, this is another banger. And that's why it's a Trick Talkers Essential game. It's the Trick Talkers Essential game that started the Essential Games list from nice. the last episode. So it is a definitively good, solid trick-taking game. I know it's one of our favorites. Couldn't agree more. So good. Well, that concludes the list of the three games we played, which were all some spicy, good, mean games. A little bit of Robot, a <laughs> little bit of Stabby Stab with Schadenfreude, and then some Boiling Cauldrons. And I know, Candice, you told us after we played some games that you said you had a question for us, which was to give you some recommendations based yes. on the games that you like and, and what's a game we would recommend to you. Now, of course, like I said, even earlier in the episode, it's so hard to just recommend one. I'm going to recommend 20 plus games to you, but I did try and <laughs> narrow it down to just three, but that's okay. because I have three different categories and I'm going to give you a little bit of homework. Essentially between those three categories, if you're going to just have one recommendation, it can be up to you which one you decide, okay. but the three okay. categories will be a game you'll have to import, a game that's available in the US and it's a little easier to get a hold of. And then one game that's on your unplayed list of trick takers. So you already own it. You just need to I play it. I love it. I love it. And then I believe Patrick has some recommendations that he'll do. So I'll after go I go through mine, I'll we'll give cool. him uh, yours. So my import one. Uh, actually, and so the to give a little bit of background here, the reason why I picked these games is because I think these are all games that will fit well into the style of game that you like. You like games where there's busting. You like it to be pretty mean. You like that second card winning and the the various yeah. having to keep track of the numbers and like resolving things as cards get played. So I think mm -hmm. all these games fit pretty well with that. So the import one is Just Heroes. This Just is from Manifest Destiny. It's set in the very thematic stuff of like touchdown heroes and everything else. So Just Heroes is a competitive or cooperative trick taker, depending on which one you want to do where you're all heroes trying to defeat this villain. Depending on player count, there's a specific number you're trying to reach on the tricks. So when you play a card, you'll add up all the numbers, like Cauldron 15 and all these others, and you're trying to make sure you're within a range of whatever that number is. If you hit it exactly or you're only one away, you're going to score positive points. If you're more than that away, you're going to get negative points. And the points you score start to escalate as more tricks go on. And the other thing is you're also limited to a number of tricks you can take. If you take too many tricks, you get exhausted. 
And there's a lot more to it, but that's just like the quick hook to it, which I think are that a lot of bits awesome. that you'd really like. Yeah, <laughs> it's really good. And the competitive, sorry, the competitive version is okay, but I actually really like the cooperative version of it. It's pretty fun. That sounds really good. I'm, I wrote it down. I'm going to get it. And I think you maybe mentioned this one on the episode with Maddie from Game Brain, right? When you were talking about yeah. Touchdown Heroes, is the same publishing company? A little company? bit, yep. Okay. Yep, exactly, yeah. a little bit as I well. I love yeah. that. I, okay. I always put those two hand in hand together. I mean, because obviously the heroes in the name, but also they're both really good games. Cool. I have to get it. I'm excited. Awesome. All right. Well, still two more recommendations from me. So the next one is the US available one. Okay. And it's sort of technically not fully available yet, but it's coming from the Kickstarter pretty soon is Tricky Time Crisis. And this is the one from John Barron. It's getting released from the Kickstarter. He should be heading them out soon. So if you didn't back in on Kickstarter, you should be able to get some retail copies from him pretty easily. this? Okay, well, so that, yeah, I think you're really going to like this one as well. Because this is a very, it's Potato Man meets David and Goliath. So it's got the card threshold where your heroes are working together to defeat the villain every trick. It's a must not follow. When you play a hero card you're going to add the value of your card to all the other heroes that are in the trick you're trying to make sure that you are equal or higher than the person who plays the villain card in the trick if you do that the heroes will win the trick if you don't the villain wins the trick and then depending on if you're on the winning or losing side tells you if you must or if you optionally can take cards to put in front of you to score the way scoring will work is there's the different suits and you can have one card in front of you and you will score its face value. But if you get two or more cards, you bust in that suit and it goes down to only two points per card instead of the face value, which is a very David and Goliath side and the potato man must not follow. Which I've never played either of those, but that also sounds awesome. And that one I've never heard of, I don't think. Tricky time crisis. Uh, cool. Yeah, it's a, nice. it's a good one. So, so yeah, and... <laughs> Obviously, Potato Man and David Goliath are the you know original games where this one has come from. So I would recommend trying those out if you wanted to as well. But I truly think Tricky Time Crisis is a better version than all of those. And if you have the Tricksters table app, you can try Potato Man for free on there. I, see if you like I have it. Potato Man. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, Plus, yeah. I haven't like tried it, was, it yeah, yet. The- I, I I forgot to put that on my list. <laughs> okay there you go well it's not on my unplayed recommendation either and i wouldn't because of checky time crisis got so it, the one it. that is on the unplayed is seas of strife or texas showdown but i believe you have the seas of strife version yes yeah so wonderful trick avoidance game very mean has the majority of suits depending on how many cards are played in there determines which card will win there's the face suit which will negate a majority then you're looking at the highest number so again very mean worrying about the numbers and the calculations of cards in the trick so thank you for all those recommendations i think uh i think i was slightly uh misleading by putting seas of strife as unplayed because i realized i played texas showdown because when i went to cloud cap when i was in portland and i was like oh Seas of Strife, like Jordan and I were in there and we were like, I think there were two copies left. And I went on BGG and I searched Seas of Strife because I was like reading about it. And I had already added it as a to, to my wish list. And I was like, oh, that's right. Because I don't remember if it was Taylor Reiner. Somebody showed me Texas Showdown. It might have been James Nathan. Somebody at BGG Con. So I kind of 
might have sort of played that version of it, but I still, I don't remember clearly, so I am excited to play it. So thank you for those recommendations. Solid recommendations. Yeah, you're very welcome. And I think Patrick's got some coming your way. Yeah, so for importing, although some US websites might have it, I'd go with Pompiers because I notice you've got Washtick on your list yes. as unplayed. Yeah. Now, I had Washtick, and I think Pompiers is the best of the game. Now, Pompiers, the only reason why you might keep Washtick is because Washtick is a four player game, really, whereas Pompiers is very very good and it shines the most at free players ah. and pompiers cuts out all the card drafting that you have in wash stick which can be quite time consuming and gets straight to the most interesting part in my opinion which is a competitive version of the crew where you're taking missions to complete each round and once you start completing missions there's really interesting ways you can do them there's like vertical tricks there's consecutive tricks, there's certain colours you can get and colours to avoid. So you've got trick avoidance, trick taking in there, and goals for every player every round. It just plays out in such an interesting way. And for me, it was enough to sort of say goodbye, Washdicks, and hello, Firefighters, which is probably as kind of thematic, but I think you'll really dig that one. So Ooh. if you want a competitive version of the crew and you like the crew, because I can see it's on your list, then I would highly recommend Pompiers. Awesome. That's for the import one. I, I, that one sounds awesome. And I remember you guys bringing this up again, or Maddie mentioning he just got this. Um, we actually we played it with him because we knew he was uh, he, he bought the copy yeah, as yeah, we were playing with him. So then on the episode when we were recording, it like showed up in the mail as we were recording. I yeah, and I I remember like just hearing about it loosely, you know, as I do when I listen to your podcast, like all these games. But usually I'm like out running or something, so I'm not like ordering in the moment. But this is um, <laughs> I'm gonna get this. Thank you. That sounds awesome. Yeah, there you go. Firefighters do a lot of running as well, so you've got a lot in common with this game already. So uh, there we go. For the US available games, cheating a little bit because you can play this with a regular pack of cards, you've got Teach You on your list. So have you tried bacon? I, I mean, not the food. But okay, the so great pick. I <laughs> I actually played bacon at PGC Con, but just one round. I, I was trying to recall like why we didn't finish, and I thought it was really, really, really cool. I love, I love team games okay. and the fact that you could do three versus three, and that there are little bacon tokens. Little I thought that was adorable. Tokens, that's what we're here for, right? That's crispy, crispy. <laughs> the for me, it replaces. I teach you, I'll always keep on my shelf. But if I'm going to teach new people a game that's in the same vein as teach you if it's not chimera because i've got free players then bacon is kind of my go-to somebody in my group doesn't like team games so it's quite difficult nowadays gotcha. but bacon it's so accessible compared to teach you trying to explain how the dragon works to people who don't know can be a bit much i mean once you've got the right group for it teach you is great but for me bacon is the accessible teach you in a nice package and cool. you know, normal deck of cards. So that's the bacon. Don't know why I changed my accent for that last bit, but there we go. Uh, <laughs> and finally, for the unplayed games, I would go with For Northwood. Get that played because 
that is a great game that does something that most other trick-taking games don't do, and that is play really, really well solo. To have the cutesy art, which can be misleading because the game could be quite mean to you, while providing you with enough options and agency to get out of different situations, having the ability to shoot for different numbers of tricks and feel rewarding when you get it, but then understanding when you don't, with your little animal companions, with the different powers and abilities that you've got accessible to you on the table. And then at the end, reading and trying to work out whether the rule book's saying, yeah, you're absolutely great or you're doing terrible in Northwood. <laughs> Having so many different scenarios to play, just find some time and, and pull that game out and see how you get on. I mentioned it on the last episode, but it's a lovely little package and it's it's highly regarded for a reason because it is so good. I actually, thank you, Patrick. I am planning to pack that with me in my carry-on or my backpack when I go to uh, Gen Con. So I was like, this- so it's for Gen Con and for Northwood. For Gen Con, for Northwood. Yes, I'm gonna. Uh, do you think it's something you can play on an airplane table, or is it, or is it need more table space? You can. You would have to just squeeze it in just a little bit, but it absolutely can fit on an airplane table. Just ask the person next to you, or you don't mind if I, just, you know, <laughs> take your table. Up. As someone who actually played it on the way to Portland, oh, it nice. fit. So it was, it was tight, but you can make it work. You can I, make it work. I thank you guys so much. Like this is really exciting, and you're welcome. It was just like a random question because I love discovering new games, and that's you know that's why I listen to podcasts like yours, especially with like trick takers. I'm like, ooh, that sounds cool. That sounds cool. But this was cool to like be able to like say, hey, here are the games that I have, and kind of tier them on what I'm like really enjoying a lot, and then you guys go back knowing a lot more of these games than me to make these awesome recommendations. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And please don't blame us when your credit card bill comes through because <laughs> this, this is it's just our honest opinion. Oh, I thought I thought you guys were going to buy these games and send them to me. Hmm. Oh, I'm losing connection. My, thought, my internet's going out. What's that? Yeah, I I'm can't hear you right now. I'm sorry. Me, so. What would you say? <laughs> oh, you're buying us these games? We're getting second copies? This is great. <laughs> oh, that's very nice of you. Thanks. Uh, Good times, good times. Yeah, you'll you'll definitely have to let us know though which ones you get. If, yeah, or if or if you get all of them. I'm get, I'm going to get them all, but I'll let you know how I like them. Awesome. <laughs> and and do try Wastic. I know I said Pompiers is the better game because it is, but Wastic. There's a variant where you can play with less missions. It's like four missions instead of five. Makes the game a bit shorter. So be curious to hear your thoughts on that later on. And I and I have Wastic in Shrink. I have actually had it, you're going to, like, it's going to blow your mind. Since 2020, I've had that game and haven't tried it. And it, it was because uh, <laughs> back in 20, January of 2020, I went to Dallas for a BGG retreat. And that was, like, just when I was kind of being brought on board to work, do some part-time work with BGG. And that was the very first time I played Teach You on that trip. Uh, there's some teach you lovers in the, on the BGG team. And they were like, we got to show you this game. And I was like, this game is amazing. And then, so I bought teach you. And then they were like, oh, if you like this, you also need to get, and I told, I just told you before we were recording, um, Mew. And so I have Mew and lots more games or whatever that box is. Another one, I just never got around to playing. And now I'm like, okay, now I'm ready to explore all those games too. So I'll try wash stick. 
Because I, I have it right now, and I'm. It'll probably take me a little bit to get. Um, what was the game you told me that was uh, Pompiers? Pompiers. Yeah. The list is too long. It's hard to remember them now. <laughs> the one guy I can actually pronounce. The one. Guy. <laughs> there you go. All written down. Yes. Like it. So we always have our final question at the end. So I want to make sure, though, does Patrick have anything else before I ask the final question? I think, Ryan, I'm ready for the final question. I'm bracing myself and everything's crossed to see what the answer is going to be. All right. So the final question is, Candice, if you were to jump into any board game world, Jumanji style, what would it be and why? So that is such a cool question, number one. Um, Thanks to my wife. That was a question she came up with. I love it. I love it. And I had to like look at the games on my shelf and then I had to look at just like my collection and really, really, really think about it. And there are some honorable mentions that I'll say that could have been picked. um, But the one that I ended up picking is like definitely the one. But I thought about viticulture because it's like kind of chill. You're making wine. I I love wine. I thought about Fort. I'm like, ah, just simpler times, you know, toys, pizza. But then I was like, ah, that's a little sad, though, because people are going to be taking my friends from me. (laughs) Uh, Then I also thought about Tricarion because I was like, I love the prestige and I love how that game kind of takes you in that like that like dark magic world. Um, And there were a couple others like that I considered. But what it came down to was Feudum. Are either of you familiar with Feudum? A little bit. My friend had a copy of that for a long time, and I always stared at the box, but never played it. So I'm actually really interested into hearing the reason why you'd pick that. Yeah, so Feudum... How's it spelled? uh, F-E-U-D-U-M. Okay. So Feudum uh, has this amazing artwork uh, by Justin Schultz, and... It is this like w- this whimsical kind of medieval fantasy world that number one, I'm someone who loves going to like Renaissance fair and like kind of just like stepping in that like medieval Ren fair right? vibes. Yeah. yeah. And this game, like the art is just again, very whimsical and just, it seems like such a fun world. There are all these like creatures, but they don't seem like mean. They seem like, fun creatures and you're just kind of like doing medieval stuff the scenery is just beautiful colorful kind of cartoony and i'm like i just could see myself just being really pleasant living in that world and it also is a game that i love too yeah no that's a that's a good choice the the box for that game is massive if i recall correctly because i've seen the board it's it's like really long right Yes, yeah. It yeah. it's a it's an unusual shaped board. <laughs> um it's long and honestly the art is amazing, but it's there are some challenges graphically with gameplay with because the art was like a slightly higher priority than the the graphic design because they're like there's certain like boats you can use to travel on you know, streams, but you're like, wait, is that a bird or is that the, the water? Like, what is, it is a plane? that? Is it exactly, yeah. exactly? And there, yeah. there's certain things in the game that like transport over um, different aspects that sometimes like hard to see. But I just think, yeah, Feudum is just such a banger. I love looking at it. Um, 
I would just enjoy living in that world. The only problem with the medieval world is there are a few issues that might plague you in the <laughs> medieval world. And nice. Squeezed one more in there. Yeah, there we are. I had, I had to before the closing credits of the episode. <laughs> no, that, that, that's a great choice. I, I think it's, a, like you said, a very inviting. It seems like a be fun world. So good, good answer. Thanks. I think in, in your honorable mentions, I also like viticulture. That's a good honorable mention. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Just for the wine, right? Just of for course, the, mainly for the wine. Yeah. The wine. <laughs> yeah. Sampling the wine. Drinking the yeah, wine, but, making the wine, storing the wine. Playing yeah. trick takers while you're sampling the wine. Yes. Yes. Awesome. All right. Well, of course, we want to be uh, weary of your time. We appreciate you coming on and, and being able to talk. I know you're always excited to talk about these games. So I'm sure we could spend another hour and a half again continuing to talk about yes. them. Maybe. Yes. And and yeah, thanks so much for having me, too. It's, it's been like when we were playing on Tuesday, I was like, oh, I could see us just doing this every Tuesday, playing some trick takers. Of course, you know, schedules are crazy and everything. But yeah, you guys are super fun. Um, I really love everyone that I've met in the PGC community and, uh, I'm appreciative of all these games that you're introducing me to these awesome games. I know we'd love to play with you and invite you again. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the great news actually leading off of Patrick. We pretty much do schedule every Tuesday. We play games together and that's typically our, our common time that we are available. So I know we want to start doing in the trick talkers discord server that we started to get more games together because some of these games we want to play require three, four, or five people, which right. needs a little bit more than just Patrick and I. So we'll definitely shoot out a message in there. And if you're available, we'd, we'd love to have you on. Maybe we get some of these games we put on your recommendations list. Yeah. yeah try them out. Love it. Love it. Awesome. All right. Well, like I said, I think we'll head out here at this point. Thank you again for, for coming on. And we always do weird outros, especially when guests are on because we don't know how to end it. But if you enjoyed our episode, <laughs> you can always listen more uh, by going to our link tree, which is link dot no, forward slash trick talkers. It'll be in the show notes because I'm sure I said it incorrectly and you'll be able to find all our stuff there. And otherwise, thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> <laughs> bye. There's the awkward outro. <laughs> bye bye for now.